Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Giuliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. Man, I tell you, I am pumped about this message. This message today is going to break some shackles. It's going to break some stuff. It's going to just um, open your eyes to a giant that so wants to manipulate you. It so wants to manipulate you. So if you have your Bibles open to Deuteronomy chapter 7, and we continue our series on the promised land about overcoming these seven nations, these seven giants, these seven spirits, that uh, the, sec- the first generation were not willing to overcome them. The first generation was too scared to overcome. And it was these seven giants that literally, these seven nations that stopped them coming into the promised land. So they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years, not getting the best that God had for them. Everybody say, God wants my best. I, I don't think we really believe that because you, you didn't sound as if you believed it. Let me, let's try it one more time. God wants my best. You know, you've got to believe that, folks. God doesn't want you to live a second-rate life. He wants you to live the very, very best life. There is nobody for you like God. You know, he's on your side. He's not against you. He's not wanting to restrain you. He's wanting to take you into the very, very best. And so what, what we see in the first five books of the Bible is God wanted to take them to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the very best, but they were not willing to face their giants. Not, they weren't willing to face the seven nations that were standing between them and the promises of God. They were too frightened. And now we've got the second generation, and Moses is speaking to the second generation in Deuteronomy chapter 7, saying, the promised land is there, but between you and the promised land are these seven nations. You've got to defeat them if you want the promised land. And so that's what it says. And, and I mean, you can read this at home. But the seven nations that they talk about is the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Seven nations greater and mightier than you that God had already defeated. They just had to conquer. It's an amazing thing. You've got to, you've got to conquer a conquered enemy. The enemy's already been conquered by the Lord. You've just got to conquer someone that's already been conquered. And that's what makes you more than a conqueror. I love that. You know, it's, the enemy's already been defeated. We've just got to stick the sword in and, and accomplish what God has already accomplished on our behalf. And so we, we looked at the first giant, which was the Hittites, which is the giant of fear. And the best way to overcome any of these giants is Jesus first. And then do exactly the opposite of what the giant is. So Jesus first, and then you overcome fear with boldness. Again, the Girgashites represents the giant of worldliness. And again, Jesus first, and then overcome worldliness with purity. Just this purity, holiness, love for God. Last week, we looked at the giant of pride. And again, Jesus first, and you overcome pride with humility. And this week, we're going to look at the giant of the Canaanites. Uh, it's a spirit. It's a giant. And so uh, I want to make a special reference to uh, one of our members who actually comes from the nation of Canaan. And so as, you know, 
we have Egyptians in our church that come from the nation of Egypt. We've got nothing against people whose ethnicity is Egyptian or Canaan. We're talking about a giant. We're talking about a spirit, not about a particular uh, modern day race of people. And uh, so I just want to make that clear. So Canaanite comes from a word that literally means a trader, a merchant, one who trades in order to increase wealth. And so the Canaanite spirit, the Canaanite giant, is the giant of materialism. It's the giant of materialism. Everybody said materialism. And it's, and it's not to necessarily to do with money as much as the love of money. It's a spirit that wants to get hold of you. And Jesus actually gives a name to this spirit in Matthew 6.24 and calls this spirit mammon. How many of you have heard of the spirit called mammon? Is it just me or is it getting incredibly hot in here? I thought it was just me. I'm going to take this jacket off because I'm, I'm hot. There we go. In every spiritual aspect. Okay. So Jesus says in Matthew 6.24, No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. How many of you can see the contrast between the words? Hate, love, loyal, despise. Not, not middle ground. It's either one or the other. You, you either hate one and love the other. You're loyal to one and despise the other. There's nothing in the middle. And, uh, and, and you can't love God. You can't serve God and mammon. It's like it, you can't do both. It's either one or the other. There's no middle ground. And this is where we've been speaking for the last four weeks that you can't make a pact with this spirit. You can't find a comfort zone. You've got to destroy this thing in your life. And today, I want us to expose the spirit of mammon and see how much damage it's done and destroy its power in your life. So four things that you need to know about mammon. First thing, first thing you need to know about mammon is this. Mammon wants to be your master. See, Jesus made it very clear. You cannot serve two masters. Either God is your master or mammon is your master. But mammon's desire is to be your master. Or he promises to be your friend, but he wants to be your master. And a master is someone who controls you. A master is someone who tells you what you do, what decisions you make, and basically is the one that pulls the strings to which you dance. Come on, you need to get this. Because mammon wants to pull the strings of your life and you dance to his tune instead of God pulling the strings to your life and you dancing to God's tune. See, the thing is this, you've you got to serve somebody. And you either serve God or you serve mammon, but mammon wants to be your master. The second thing I want to say is this, mammon is deceitful. In Matthew 13, 22, remember the soul went out to sow the seeds and some of the seeds fell in thorny grounds. And it talks about the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of mammon. 
Mammon is deceitful. He promises you the world and delivers pain and suffering. He promises you sweet things and only produces sour things. I'm telling you, you've got to expose mammon for what he is. He is a liar and he will deceive you. Everybody say the devil's a liar. Oh, come on, folks, if there's anything you need to get out of this series is that the devil's a liar. He's already been defeated. The power that he has over you is the power of deceit. The power of deceit. And you know what? I was talking to someone the other day. And, and, and when the enemy would, would come, you know, they'd say, get behind me, Satan. They'd say, I rebuke you, devil. And, also, and I said, you know what? That's good to say that, but it's not enough. Why is that? Because... He's already done the damage. He's already sown the seeds. What you've got to do is say, the devil is a liar. And when you say that, you're actually pulling the seeds out from its roots. You're saying, whatever you've planted in my mind is a lie. And now I pull it out. Because sometimes what happens, the enemy comes, he sows the seeds of deceit in your life. You say, I rebuke you. He gets behind you, but the seeds remain. The thoughts remain and you've still got to battle those thoughts. When you say, devil, you're a liar. Everything you say to me is full of deceit. And I rip those seeds out from its roots. I cast them behind me in the mighty name of Jesus. I will only believe the word of God because it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is able to discern the truth. That's what you need. You need truth. Oh, come on. If you're going to give a clap, give the Lord a good one. Third thing I want to say about mammon, it's a root to all evil. Paul defines mammon so beautifully in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. And Paul's definition of mammon is the love of money. Not money, the love of money. The love of money. This is mammon right there. It's, it's a spirit that wants your focus, wants your attention. Wants you to, to bow at its altar. The love of money. Sacrificing so many things at its altar. And Paul says, the love of money is a root to all evil. And so you've got all these other spirits that are connected to mammon. See, see some of the writers, and you know this is not in the Bible, but over the centuries there's been many people that have written on evil. And, uh, and some of the writers write that there are seven princes in hell. And mammon is the treasurer, the treasurer of hell, works in cahoots with the enemy, just sets up his office. And, and so there are many you know, spirits that are connected with mammon. He's, he's, let me give you some of the spirits that are connected with mammon because they're a root of all evil. Greed, greed. And, and this is where we've got to be so careful we don't get caught up with the excesses of the prosperity doctrine that focuses on greed. Because God does want you to prosper. And, and again, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Of course God wants us to prosper. God wants good things for us. But where prosperity becomes greed, that's when a spirit that is evil comes into our lives. I want to talk about prospering for generosity's sake later on before we finish today. Here's another one. Covetousness. Covetousness was, was the 10th commandment. They shall not covet. And covetousness is, is being jealous of what someone else has and wanting what they've got. Co- 
covetousness. It's a spirit that's associated with mammon. Stealing is another spirit associated with, with mammon. Not only will I covet, I'll actually strategize how I can take. And it's all connected to mammon. The love of things. Gambling. Oh, did you mention gambling? Yeah, actually, gambling is connected to mammon. And for some people, it possesses their soul. It's a spirit. And all gambling is little lately for big return. Little, and not, I'm going to work for it and build it up. No, no. Little outlay for big return. Can I just tell you, it's a spirit and you need to break hold of that spirit. And it permeates the whole wide world. And can I, can, can I just speak to some of you who have sort of connections with gambling in your generational line? That that's something that you have to do warfare with and bring it down because there are generational lines that are more susceptible to gambling than others. Do you know what? I won't even, I won't even buy a raffle ticket to counteract this spirit. You say, why wouldn't you buy a raffle? I'd rather give the donation than actually open up, well, I might win, I might win, I might win, and, and, and give mammon a foothold in my life. I don't want to win anything that I haven't worked for. I don't want anything that God doesn't give me. I don't, I don't want to rest on the spirit of gambling. I won't buy a lotto ticket, a lottery ticket, or any ticket that depends on, on luck or gambling or mammon to bring me wealth. Why is that? Because I only look to the God who made heaven and earth and my source of strength and my source of hope is only in him, not in luck or mammon. Hello? That's how you break this thing over your life. Oh, it's awfully quiet in here. <laughs> then mammon can also manifest in another two ways that seem like opposite. And you either be a spendthrift where you just spend, 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 buy, 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 buy. I want this, I want that. People all over the world are just have got stuff in their wardrobes that, that have been triggered by the spirit of mammon. They don't need it, but it's just like, I've got to buy, 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 buy. I've got to buy, buy, buy. You know, get on the internet, buy, buy, buy. Three o'clock in the morning, buying, 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 buying. It's the spirit of mammon. It's possessed you. What in the world? What's going on there? You've got to break this thing. It's a spirit. Then on the flip side, on the flip side, it's like the opposite end is stingy. Just stingy. I've got to have, keep, 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 hoard, hoard, hoard. Can't get rid of anything. It's all about me. It's all about more, making more money, more money, more money. And, and it's all stinginess. And it's like, what is that? It's a spirit. It's a spirit called mammon trying to control you. And number four, mammon wants to replace God in your life. Can I just say this? Mammon wants to replace God in your life. How many of you remember the story of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness? Remember the second temptation where, where the devil takes Jesus to the highest mountain and he shows him what? The kingdoms and the glory of the world. And this is what he said. Can you believe this? This is mammon tempting Jesus. And he says to Jesus, he says, see all these things, all these, king, all these things. And that's a great definition of mammon is the God of things. See all these things? I'll give them to you if you worship me. I give them, this is Jesus, the, the, the creator of heaven and earth, and, and the audacity to tempt Jesus. 
And Jesus says, no, the word of God says you'll only worship the Lord your God, only him only will you worship and, and get behind me and, and that sort of stuff. But if, if this spirit is strong enough and audacious enough to tempt Jesus, don't you think it's going to tempt you? And all it wants to do is replace God. And this is the way that it works. Here, here it is. Worship money, worship mammon, and you'll get things. Whereas what Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, trying to replace God. Money will protect you, provide for you, future-proof you. How many of you have been indoctrinated with that? Money will provide for you. Money will keep you safe. Money will future-proof you. Whereas the truth is, God will protect you. God will provide for you. God will look after your future. And we, and, and, and we get indoctrinated by it. We've got cultures that indoctrinate. I come from an Italian background and it's in the culture that, that money is the answer to all your problems. Whereas as a Christian, I've got to say, no, money isn't the answer to all my problems. God is the answer to all my problems. Can you see how subtle the spirit is? How it wants to creep in? I need more money. I need more God. Huh? Come on. If you've been saying, I need more money, you need to stop saying, I need more money and begin to say, I need more of God because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The silver and the gold is his. When you get God, you get the money. Okay. Oh, I've got to move fast. Let, let, let. How many of you want to know if you're under the influence of mammon? I want to give you some insight just to... Pull back the curtain just to see if you're under the influence of mammon. Are you ready? Number one, you can't get ahead. You're always chasing but never getting it. Unable to save. This work, work, work but never quite making ends meet. You know what happens? Mammon has got a foothold in your finances and he has got you under his influence. Because when you can't get ahead, you're always thinking about money. You're always thinking about things. It's, it, it, grabs your, it grabs your thinking 24 hours and it causes you to focus on your lack. And mammon loves for you to focus on your lack with the hope that one day mammon will come through for you. But he's got you by your ears. And we're going to talk about how to break that in a moment. Number two, you've got plenty, but you're still not fulfilled. Oh, we've got so many rich people in Australia. They've got plenty, but they're never satisfied. Matter of fact, what you've got to constantly understand is that you live in this country in the top 10% of the world's population. Matter of fact, you, you have more staff than 90% of the world's population has. Come on, just do some research on this. You'll find how wealthy we are in Australia, but it's like it's never enough. It's never enough. And it's certainly doesn't give you love, joy, and peace. Mammon promises you love, joy, and peace, but can't deliver because love, joy, and peace never comes from things. It comes from God. God gives you love, joy, and peace. But he's mammon promising you the world, but delivering you nothing, the deceitfulness of riches. A few years ago, you know, the sad story of Rene Rifkin committing suicide. One of the wealthiest men in Australia had Everything that this world had to offer, but totally empty on the inside. I was so sad when I heard about his suicide. The man who had grabbed hold of everything that mammon had to offer, but still no love, joy and peace on the inside. How sad is that? If only we had an opportunity to be able to get a, 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 
just an open door to that man and say to him, you know, you know, all that wealth that you have is not going to bring you love, joy, and peace because only Jesus can do that. Here's, here's another thing. He, are you ready for this one? Hang on to your seats because this one's, this one's a heavy-duty Christian one, okay? A heavy-duty Christian one. You know you're under the influence of mammon when you react to when the church speaks about money. What? Yeah, that spirit manifests. Why is that? Because God gives you wealth in order for you to bless others. And so when we talk about it, it's like, oh, no, 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 here we go. We're talking about money again. Well, that's the spirit of mammon manifesting. Why is that? Because we just poke that thing. And they go, oh. You know, listen, when we talk about money, you ought to clap. You ought to be excited about it. Why? Because we're putting the biblical focus on it and giving you biblical understanding. See, we're not here to take from you. We're here to give to you. We're here to bless you. We're here to cause you to come into the fullness of God. But what you've got to do is get mammon out of your system. Because mammon will always manifest when we talk about You know what's fascinating is this. We've got Hillsong coming up this week. And some people are complaining about the price of the tickets to Hillsong. So, oh, about $300. Oh. Um, did you ever go to a, a concert at the arena there? Because if you, if you go to Tiki, Tiki Tech, yeah, whatever, <laughs> that, and see, and see you know, how much tickets are. My, my, my daughter works at um, the convention centre in the city. And how much are some of the ticket prices for the convention centre? How much? 250 Some of them are $1,000, $1,500, just for a couple of hours. Hillsong goes for three days. With speakers from all over the world. You know, and, and so their entrance price doesn't even cover the cost of the conference. But <gasps> what is the matter? That's mammon manifesting right there. It's like the, everybody can have money except for the church. Everybody can talk about money except for the church. What is That's mammon manifesting right there. Make sure that when it starts to manifest in your life, you rebuke it and say, mammon... You're reacting because you've got too big a foothold in my life and I need to do something about it. If you can't say amen, say ouch, but don't stone me. Okay, let's move on. Here's, here's a big one. Decisions. Everybody say decisions. You, you're under the influence of mammon if the decisions you make is based on how does this affect me financially. And that becomes the focal point. How does this affect me financially? Rather than, God, what are you saying in this? Do you know that that decision was probably the threshold decision of me entering into ministry or not entering into ministry? It was such a big deal. And we're talking January 1978 and God spoke to me, called me and said, you know, set your course for ministry. And my father was not a happy camper. Not at all. I mean, we're talking about Italian migrant coming to Australia to make a better life for himself and his children. And, you know, I was at university studying to be an architect and, and uh, dad saw me setting myself up financially. He saw me setting myself up for a great future. And so he was adamant, 
He did not want me to pursue the call of God upon my life because pastors are poor. Architects do a lot better. And, and so that was the decision. The decision was based on money. The decision was based on how well I'm going to do financially. Not with, and so it was my mother's influence that actually got him to see, maybe this is the call of God. Maybe God's in this. Maybe, maybe what John is hearing is God saying, I'm going to be with you. And so then dad relented. He saw that mammon was controlling his decisions. He relented and he says, John, if God's in this, I bless this. And can I just tell you, we're talking 40 years ago. This happened 40 years ago. You know what? Anne and I lacked nothing. You know, the very thing that my father feared, if only he could see now how God, how God actually gave. That, that, that verse that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The very things, the very things that I promised Anne I would not give her because they weren't in my heart, God gave to us. I'm telling you, you keep mammon out of your heart and God will give you the things. But he does not want mammon in your heart. He wants him in the heart. And, and you know what? I, I was praying about this very point this, this past week because it was, such, it was such a watershed experience for me 40 years ago. And it was, you know, you know, you're at the crossroads of your life. You're at the crossroads of the future of your life. And he's mammon saying, don't pursue the call of God because you're going to lose. And mammon saying, no, no, pursue a, a, a very uh, good career that, that, that makes you financially viable and financially strong. Pursue that. And God's saying, no, John, I've set you for ministry. And I was thinking about it. I wonder how many young people. We're at the same crossroads. But Mammon got there and said, no, no, don't follow the call of God because that won't set you up financially for the rest of your life. I wonder how many young people and now middle-aged people that lost the call of God because Mammon got in. This spirit is powerful. It's destroying young people. And I'm making a commitment to you that over the next 20 years of my life, I'm going to raise up as many young people with the call of God that God brings in my sphere of influence. We're going to raise a ministry training school in this church that's going to raise up a generation to change the world. And if you're going to give the Lord a clap, make sure it's a perfect one, an honorable one, because we're coming against the spirit of mammon. We're bringing it down in the mighty name of Jesus. Let me very quickly, how to defeat mammon. Very quickly. How to defeat mammon? God first. It's always got to be God first. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You put God first and God will put the rest into your life. Come on. Just get this sorted. God first. God first. God first. Oh, no, but, you know, what's my salary going to be? You know, I, I, I don't want ever for you to kind of feel that your salary is the source of your provision. Because salary is only a stream of God's provision. Anne and I worked this out when we first started ministry, when I was on... $25 a week in the next year and stopped working and our full income was $50 a week from our salary. And God showed us that salary is only one of the streams 
of God's provision. There are so many other streams of God's provision besides salary. But our focus is salary, salary, salary. That's it, salary. No, my focus is God. Come on, Ash, get this into your spirit. You're on the front row there because you're setting yourself up to pursue God. This is such a powerful message for young men like Ash that are preparing themselves for ministry because the world will say, you're throwing away your potential of being wealthy and secure. And we're saying, no, our potential of being wealthy and secure does not rest on mammon. It rests on the living God, creator of heaven and earth. And if you seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, all these things. The things that mammon wants to be in control of, God is in control of. And when those things are blessed by God rather than cursed by mammon, they'll come into your life and be a blessing to you because you're aware this did not come from mammon. It came from the living God, creator of heaven and earth. Can anybody say amen to that? And number two, you want to defeat mammon? Generosity. Come on, generosity. That's a tough one. Generosity. Dan, you can come up and play something. Generosity is such a beautiful thing. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. Paul is writing to wealthy people. He's writing to rich people. And he's he's not giving them a hard time. He's not saying that it's a bad thing to be wealthy. Matter of fact, if there's ever scriptures written for us in Australia at this time, it's, it's Paul's writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17. This is so powerful. Can I read it to you? Because it's so important that you understand that God does want to bless you. He says, command those who are rich in this present age. Not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Three things really important about generosity. Number one, stewardship. God has given us our wealth. God has given it all to us. And if God has given it to us, we're stewards. You you understand the whole principle. You come into this world with empty hands. You've never seen a baby with anything in its hands. You leave this world with empty hands. Oh, you might put rings on the fingers of your deceased ones, but they can't take them with them. Empty hands, you leave this world. Whatever you get in your hands between your birth and your death don't belong to you. You cannot keep them. It's on loan. You're actually a steward of them. Passes through generations. You, got, you know, if you've built some more, you're going to leave it to your kids. And, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with it. But you can't keep it. You're a steward. It's all God's. It comes from God's. It goes to God's. But what will happen is you're going to have to give an account for what's come through your hands. And if it's all me, 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 more for me, bigger this, bigger that, then you're going to have to give an account to God over that. So the best way to kill the spirit of mammon is start sharing what God has given to you. Give it out. Be generous. See, tithing for us, everybody say tithing. 
For, for me, it's no longer an Old Testament law. For me, it's a New Testament principle. So Anne and I have always tithed. And what, for, for us, it's not because whoa, we're afraid of the curse. No, for us, it's just killing mammon. And so we automatically give 10%. And what that 10% does, it just keeps the spirit of generosity flowing. So we say, you know what? The first 10%, bang, that just goes straight. We don't even think about it. It's just part of our culture. Shunk, straight out. Now the other 90% doesn't belong to us. It still belongs to God. We're stewards. And we say, God, what do you want us to do with the other 90%? And so generosity then flows out of it. But because we've already given the 10%, we've got the wheel turning. Some of you, you don't even get the wheel turning. And you said, but, but I can't afford it. That's the problem. Mammon's got you. He's saying that there is no blessing involved with generosity. And the, and the more you give, the less you have. That's the spirit of mammon deceiving you. This is the spirit of God. Give and it shall be given back to you. Press down, shaking together, running over into your lap. See, this is, this is, this is the mindset of mammon. Well, you know, your finances are like a pie. And so there's only so much of the pie. And the more you give away, the less you have. No, that's not the way that it is. See, God wants us to understand that there's a river that flows from the throne of God. And He wants you to be a channel for the blessing of God. And so when you see your giving as tapping into the river that flows from the throne of God. You can't give away the river. The more you give away, the more you have. The more you give away, the more you have. God gives back to you. Come on, it's not a pie. That's mammon's deception. It's a river that never ceases. And you know what? One of the first principles that Anne and I have always adopted to every church that we've ever pastored. As soon as we take over the senior role as the senior pastor, we say, from this day forward, this church will tithe all of its finances. But, but, but you know, we've, we've got budgets and we've got this. I don't care how many of you want the blessing of God. We want the blessing of God. Well, the blessing of God is found in generosity. Let's be generous. You know, that now... It's over $100,000 a year, that tithe that we give, over $100,000 a year. You would not believe how many times we've looked at that 100000 and thought, boy, what we could do with that. But yep, you can burn it, you can use it, you can spend it. But what you do is that you put a block to the blessing of God. And you know what we've discovered over the years? That not only have we given the tithe, we've given way beyond. And I think now when you look at our full finances, we give away a third. When you take into what, what we give... You know, out of our giving and, and, and missions and all that, I think when you add it all up, there's about a third of our giving goes to bless the kingdom of God. And you know what? God has always given us an abundance. And how blessed are we? Because we not only teach it to you, we put it into practice ourselves. Anne and I, as a couple, put it into practice. As a church, we put it into practice. Why? Because this is powerful. If there's one way of destroying mammon, it's through the Spirit of generosity start getting generous and 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 you know the amazing thing that i love about malachi chapter 4 i don't like the fact of the curse but i do love the fact where it says test me in this says the lord test me in this start being generous and see if i will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you can't contain come on test me in this can i just tell you right now some of you got to do battle with the mammon spirit i want to finish 
I've got so much more to say, so little time to say it. But we got next week and the week after and whatever. And maybe the next 20 years, God willing. There's a beautiful story in Luke chapter 19 about a man called Zacchaeus. How many of you know the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was possessed by the spirit of mammon. My goodness, he just, he was a wheeler and a dealer and he stole from people and he took, and most of his wealth was because of his wheeling and dealing with mammon. But Jesus said, hey, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your place for dinner. (gasps) What? Jesus loved a man who was possessed by mammon. Don't you love that? I mean, Jesus could look at him and say, you filthy, wicked man. But he opened up his arms and he welcomed Zacchaeus. And he says, come on, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your place for dinner. Zacchaeus was overwhelmed that Jesus would love him so much that he'd go. But you know what I love? That when Jesus turned up, Jesus' presence exposed the spirit of mammon in Zacchaeus' life. And do you know what the manifestation of that was? He looked at his possessions that mammon had grasped and taken. And he says, I'm going to break this spirit. Half of all that I have right now, I'm going to give away. (gasps) Can you imagine the manifestation of mammon right there? No, you're going to kill me. You're going to destroy me. How dare you? You know what's amazing about this? That Jesus gave that same opportunity to the rich young ruler. But mammon was so strong in his life, there was absolutely no way he was going to let any of his finances be touched. He just The love of money was just too strong. You know, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, gave him the same call as the rest of the disciples. He was on the crossroads. He could have become an apostle. Who knows? The rich young ruler could have replaced Judas as one of the apostles of the church. But Mammon had his claws in, wouldn't let go. But he's Zacchaeus, this tax collector. God, half of my possessions I give away. And if I've defrauded anybody, anything, I'm giving back fourfold. And you know what Jesus says to him? Surely salvation has entered your heart. You've defeated that giant. You've brought him down. And now, let me just say to you, I honestly, with all of my heart, believe that Zacchaeus never went without for the rest of his life. But he was also a blessing to many others because he brought that giant down. Come on, we've got to bring that giant of mammon down. Can anybody say amen to that? You've got to bring it down in your life, in the lives of your children. We've got to bring it down and leave a legacy for the next generation saying, God first, God first, not money first. We're not going to sacrifice our children at the, at the altar of money. We are not going to sacrifice anything of God at the altar of money. We're going to put God first, seek you first, the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. Can anybody say amen? Did that help you today? Huh? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for every single person in this auditorium today. I want to thank you, Lord, that if you be for us, who can be against us? And right now, Lord, we just want to put you first. Come on, I want you to put your hand on your heart. And I want you to pray this prayer with me if you want to. It's a prayer of dedication that we're going to put God first. Are you ready for this? I want you to say this, Lord Jesus, 
Help me today. Get a right perspective on this whole subject of money and things. And Lord, today, I want to put you first. I want mammon out of my life. I don't want mammon controlling my decisions. Holy Spirit, give me discernment so that my decisions are spirit-led, not mammon-led. Clear my thinking today because my desire is to put you first. In Jesus' name. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.